Hello there. Presented by the Atlas Strength Shop. This is the Atlas Nerds in Iron podcast. With your hosts, Cameron Ray and Tyler Hales. Good evening. Welcome to the Atlas Nerds in Iron podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Ray, and this is our co-host, Mr. Matt Cavier. No. Uh, I don't know why I don't practice this beforehand. I have not pronounced his last name correctly on a single podcast that we've done. Uh, Cavier. You've dead. Yeah, Cavier. Yeah. Cavier. Cavier. Yes. Getting closer. And you've only known me for what, two years now? Two, three years well, now? Well, for the first like year and a half, you let me believe it was Cavalier. Well, because it is to the you know the world that's not Cajun. But this is Louisiana. You should be correcting people. <laughs> I guess that's true. Like, he literally let me believe his last name was Cavalier for the first year and a half that I that I knew him. And I always mess with him about it because Matt Cavalier sounds like the name of an action book character that a high schooler writes. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a made-up name. So anyway, today on the podcast, we have Mr. Chip Conrad. Hello. Uh, he was the owner of Body Tribe Fitness for how many years? Uh, as a brick-and-mortar place, uh, about 18. About 18. And now he is a traveling nomad sensei ronin coach. Sure. Let's yeah, go with that. That's, that's kind of what... Uh, well, I like to think of him as a um, little background on how we met Chip. I have been following him pretty much ever since I got into this, this whole coaching strength world. Uh, he was a big influence of mine when I first started teaching people how to move around. And I've actually been lucky enough to actually meet this guy in person. He's dropped into our gym several times now. He is a huge wealth of knowledge. I don't know exactly what we're going to wind up talking about today. But I am very excited to have him on the podcast because I've wanted him on the podcast uh, since before we actually had a podcast. That's because I've been begging. That's why the, the real you're being sweet, but it's because I've been begging. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, you're remembering the events way differently than me, but I'm, I'm the sober one. Yeah, I'm kind of dumb, so it happens. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're gonna uh, do our sponsors real quick, and then we're gonna see where this conversation takes us. So first and foremost, we have Unmasked Studio. They believed in us before anybody else did. Uh, are you into any kind of nerd culture at all? Oh, yeah. So, Unmasked Studio, he is a maker of boutique cosplay. Ooh. He is a, uh, he's out of New Orleans. He just, he, he's rebuilding a shop right now because it literally got leveled during Ida. He had just moved out of his garage into his own no. shop uh, and then Ida hit. So, he's kind of on the back foot right now. But when I say this guy makes Hollywood level quality cosplays... I mean that, like literally. We literally, we literally thought somebody stepped out of a Frank Miller at no, wow. novelization of Batman when we met this dude wow, okay. at Wizard World a couple of years ago. Uh, all of his suits have like the uh, the built in muscle inlays, but it's not like it's not like something that looks like Hollywood. It looks like you stepped out of the pages of a comic book. Wow, yeah. okay. It, it's really really cool the way he does things. He also does custom work, like one of our buddies. Um, He's kind of the MD that we all uh, we all go to with all of our problems. He's a doctor of sports medicine who is also a huge nerd. He is having a composite Deadpool and Captain America made. Oh, wow. Uh, this is going to look really cool. He does. Did you ever see The Boys? Yes. He did a Homelander that was so good that the guy who plays Homelander shared it and started going to him for all of his personal tailoring. Wow. No kidding. That's how good this guy is. Whoa. Really yes. impressive. Like, it, it's incredible stuff. But, yeah, go check him out, Unmasked Studio, Instagram or Facebook. Go buy his stuff, like his stuff, share his stuff, save it to your inspiration folder because his stuff is kind of expensive. Yeah, I bet. But 
do what you need to to get this guy boosted in the algorithms and put in front of some people that can actually afford his work. Like my doctor friend. I think, uh, think his Captain Deadpool's running in like three grand, something like that. Yeah, if you're not but, Adam Savage and doing your own builds, then yeah, go to somebody like that. Like, it, it's, it's definitely worth it. You're going to be the coolest looking guy at the convention. Like, no doubt about it. Unless I'm looking to that the guy piece. who made your cosplay shows up wearing one even cooler. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to, to the, seeing that piece finish because knowing Doc Rare is going to be sick looking. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guy we're talking about is about, uh, he's about my height and probably about just 220 of grizzled muscle. Mm. Yeah. So he already looks like Captain America yeah. a little bit. Um, and he's a doctor. So so what you're saying is we all hate him. Oh, we what? Basically, we all hate him. He's basically an Uber. No, I don't hate him. Man. Slight man crush, maybe, but yeah, not okay, hate. Okay, okay. He's a good dude, though. You yeah. like him. Very, very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up, we have Strike Force Energy. Uh, go to strikeforceenergy.com. Use promo code Atlas Strength to check out. You're going to save 20% on your next energy purchase. Uh, I know you're not much on energy drinks. You probably haven't heard of Strike Force Energy, but it's a, uh, it's a veteran owned energy supplement. They come in these little 10 ounce fluid pouches, kind of look like crystal light pouches, except okay. they're liquid. Uh, they come in four flavors, come in original, which kind of tastes like Red Bull, a grape, an orange, and a lemon. You, uh, it's like 160 milligrams of caffeine per serving. You pour them whatever you want to drink. Normally, I mix mine with water or some kind of fruit juice, and it tastes incredible. And I don't get a huge crash off of it like I do these things that I'm drinking right now. So you're going to hook me up for my long road trips? Yeah, if you want one. Right. If you want a couple, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you I'll try, up. sure. Yeah, they're, they are a little bit of a pain in the ass to mix while you're trying to drive. So definitely uh, pull over somewhere and park because yeah. you got like, to pour it into your little water bottle. I'm a mad, I got mad skills at that. Okay. I've been yeah. driving around the country making protein drinks. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I don't recommend free uh, how, how does your uh, How does your car smell from the inevitable? Oh, I forgot it, to close it all the way. Yeah, it's, it's got a great collection of smells between that and me sleeping in it quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And, 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 of course, dog farts. Poor Co. Yeah, yeah. She, Poor Co. She's a little gassy sometimes. So uh, I might get a little loud on the recording today. I'm going to do my best to crop that out and post just because we actually have two dogs in the studio today. We got Co, who is a beautiful pit mix. And then we got Hercules. You all know and love Hercules. Mm. And they love each other. Yes, they are best friends. But Hercules is kind of an asshole whenever somebody comes into the building. And Co is the loudest beat creature I've ever met on Earth. <laughs> like she's got a she's bark, got a bark that's on going to echo. So, uh, so yeah, I'll do my best to cut that out. And we'll go from there. You smiling at me, Co? Yeah, she's just staring at you. She's now. a good girl. So we got, we kind of didn't uh, get together beforehand and talk about what we wanted to talk about, which is my fault because I'm extremely ADD. And uh, yeah, um, I feel like we could just roll with the the nerdcore stuff. And yeah, that works. <laughs> so what are you nerdy about? Well, so I I have a background in in uh, you know pre pre internet and pre serious video games. I did a lot of role playing games. Really? Yeah, I had this little group uh, growing up. You know, I'm I'm in my 50s, and so back in the 80s, 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s, the the group I hung out with was mostly uh, gamers, gamer musicians. Yeah, and we had our own little gamer crew, of course, and uh, we played all the role playing games at the time, mm-hmm. and even wrote a few. And I wrote, I got to I got to debut one of my games at a uh, Dundracon which was a gaming convention in the Bay Area okay. back in 80, 90, 91, something like that. Okay. And it was called Yuppie Quest. Okay. Now, if I you knew too. me, yeah. <laughs> if you knew me at the time, I had hair down to my butt and I was barefoot everywhere I went. I, I mean, it was just I was 100 and, 
27 pounds of, mm-hmm. of raging hippie at that point. <laughs> and so I ran a game called Yuppie Quest, which was, you know, the, the antithesis to all of that. Yeah. And it was fun. We had a good time. Okay. I don't know if I told you this, but Chastity actually, uh, she DMs her own games. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, she's got a, uh, and she's actually really big on D&D talk on TikTok. Like she has her own character that's on there and she's kind of been doing a storyline. I've character. heard of this TikTok thing. You but. should get on it. As somebody who exists 90% of their time, uh, as somebody who, you know. Does I, all their promotion and yeah, everything Yeah, like online, I don't want to call know. you an internet person because you are like extremely grounded and you you definitely are somebody who lives in the present wherever you are. But I got to put stuff online to promote. Yes. So. Um, I think you would do very well on TikTok. Yeah, I have a couple ideas. I have a TikTok account. I've never done anything. I've got a few ideas of what I'll do. I'm really just now starting to get into it. Um, we've had one for a while, but some of the other members were running it for me. So I would use it as a consumption app, which I do not recommend falling down that rabbit hole and using it for consumption. I don't even know what that means. Like just watching it. Yeah. I don't don't watch internet stuff except for YouTube. Suck you in. It's very addictive. It goes from watching five clips to three hours down a rabbit hole. All the clips are about 15 seconds to a minute long. Yeah. You don't know how long you've been there. Yeah. It's always like one more, just one more, just just one more. So and they're like the, eating cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the ones that hit the algorithm are the ones that will snag your attention in those first two seconds. Okay. So the ones you see are very good at attention, at grabbing your attention. Yeah. And for somebody with, uh, with who is ADD. I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry a little bit about that. So yeah, I'll just, I'll just put post stuff and not look. How's that? That's probably the best bet. If, uh, if you want to maintain your sanity. Yeah. All right. Uh, but I will say it is, the most frightening thing is just how quickly the algorithms figure out exactly who you are as a human. Oh, no, right. it's, it is frightening. Like I'm, I'm not sure I want to share what's on my feed right now. I'll share what's on mine. Do you even want to talk about it? Because it's probably listening right now. It's one hundred percent listening right now. Oh, TikTok yeah. is but listening. In. Literally, I was scrolling for just a few minutes, and within a few minutes, my entire feed was strength sports, comic books, and big titty goth girls. <laughs> That was my entire th- feed within minutes <laughs> of scrolling this app, and I do not understand how it was that good. Just I can confirm your on life that. within pretty much. Moments. It's like all of my vices all at once. Yep, <laughs> it's a little bit, a little bit scary actually. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, uh, maybe I won't even go on there. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. And the app is owned by uh, it is owned by China, so China is the one that is collecting all of your information. Yeah. Well, you know. Hey, so, I like you, China. Yeah. Yeah. You have to say that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You have to I say like that. you, you'll China. Be, you'll, be, you'll be disappeared. Mm. Yeah. They're waiting for the day when they come over. They use our weaknesses against us yes. via TikTok. Yeah, exactly. That, that's never going to happen. They'll lose their best customer, and you know we aren't going to make our own seven-year-olds make iPhones. Yeah. We we'll just so, have to figure out another way to look at thirst traps. Yep. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> just do it the old-fashioned way, where you send a Polaroid in the mail. Ooh, that sounds like kind of fun, actually. <laughs> All right. So we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> Uh, so do you still do any role-playing games or I haven't for a long time. I mean, you know, with my current vagabond lifestyle, it yeah. doesn't fit in, but no, I've been last almost 20 years. I was a gym owner. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't allow me to have a lot of time to yeah. play. So no, I haven't really, I haven't really delved into it recently. Okay. I definitely know I can relate to that last sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've been there. Yeah. You are there. Yeah, I am there. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, it's very hard to make people understand just how, less time you actually have um where was my next thought actually going so 
I don't know if we've had this conversation before. And if we have, if we have, we'll just have it again for the benefit of everybody else. You closed down Body Tribe, which I actually didn't know until I met you in person when you were passing through one day. Mm-hmm. Was it because of the COVID restrictions that you closed it down, or was it something you've kind of been thinking about doing for a while anyway? No, nah, it was pretty much, yeah, well, okay, a little of both, but mostly COVID. Uh, I really, we had restrictions in California at the time mm-hmm. of how you could do your gym. Like you could keep it open, but you yeah. had to keep everybody a certain footage apart and all this mm-hmm. stuff and the masks and everything. And I just thought that's so not how I would do things. Yeah. It doesn't really drive with your culture. At no, because we are a culture. We're a tribe. We do a lot of things together. We do a lot of things as groups. We do a lot of things where we're, I mean, we're just a friendly bunch who wants to be social. And when you take that away, being in the gym felt stupid. I mean, it just felt dumb. Like, mm-hmm. okay, there's my little square and your little square is 10 feet over there. And, and, you know, we could wave at each other and it was just dumb. It felt really odd. And, and at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, my mom lives in North Carolina. I haven't really gotten to see her much in the last 10, 20 years. And yeah, she's going to live to 130, but she's 83 mm-hmm. years old. And so, I wanted to be able to go out and, and hang out with her a bit too. So, uh, with uh, and and my girlfriend's in Texas. So I've got a girlfriend in Texas, and my my mom in North Carolina. My best friend Dave is in Alabama, and that's been my little triangle. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much COVID was the the final nail that sent me on the road, and I just sort of took everything online and said, okay, I'll keep training people, but it's going to be online. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, if I didn't like the gym restrictions, online's not as fun either. Let's put it that way. But <laughs> yeah. at least I can keep people moving. And through that, I've decided to use my YouTube channel to promote the idea of being able to move and be strong anywhere. It's just definitely something I need to take more to heart. Because like we were having that conversation earlier about how the armies had me basically traveling nonstop for the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's something I need to focus on because... I've always been the kind of person that when I train, I have to have a date on the calendar to train for, mm-hmm. or my brain can't really let me give a shit. So, so the 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 secret sauce that I've discovered is figuring out what's training, what's movement, where the two can cross, where's the Venn diagram where the two cross. Because for most people, if they do train, for most folks, that's actually all their movement. Mm-hmm. So what the hell are they training for? If you're training just to keep training, I don't quite understand that. So when I hit the road, it really drove home my concept of, oh, you're training to actually go have a movement practice beyond your training. Mm -hmm. Um, And in in the process of that, I discovered, not discovered, but but expanded on my idea of, oh, well, then you can also train anywhere with Mm -hmm. just you, with just whatever you have. If you know how a body moves and how force development works, you can use anything or nothing at all and just keep training so you can keep having that movement practice. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, obviously the way that you approach things, even if you were, you know, 350 and 6'4", it wouldn't win you World's Strongest Man, but you can still move the needle towards progress. Yeah, well, what I discovered, what was interesting is... um, I've since gone back and done a few strongman competitions mm-hmm. since I've been on the road and I haven't really been able to train for them the way I used to, you know, yeah. I used to have the regimented program where I'd do the events and do the strength and, you know, train yeah. freaking four, five, six days a week and two hours a day. And I haven't been able to do that. I've just been on the road and I've been moving and grooving and having fun. 
but I realized that all my strength is still up mm -hmm. because of what I've been doing. So I hopped back into a few strongman competitions and, and did, you know, did okay, did as well as I would have with, with the more extreme training program. Mm -hmm. And so I realized what I'm doing is still keeping me strong, but it's a whole different experience. Yeah. And it's allowing me to go enjoy things a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, a, that's an interesting point. I love going into a gym. You saw me today just get, yeah. you know, get my emotional heart on while I went into the gym and played because it's fun. I, but, but I get to go to a gym out of maybe once out of every six or seven of my training sessions. Okay. You know, with, with my travel right now. So uh, how else are you going to do it? Well, mm -hmm. there's a ton of ways, and that's sort of what my YouTube channel is all about. Yeah, I know watching you train for the Conan's Wheel where you basically just found a – you found a big-ass branch that was – it was rooted still on the ground, so you can kind of thing was thirty walk feet long. Circles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another one that's that was just a log that was really mm -hmm. long, and it's not super heavy. But when it's you know twenty some feet long, being able to zercher carry it, yeah, makes it yeah makes it crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I built a little gym out of cinder blocks and another log that I mm -hmm. found. And cinder blocks make for great weights. Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, there's a whole world of movement out there, and. One thing, if you are a strength athlete, chances are you're in a rut in many ways, and it's really easy to get out of that rut and stay really strong. Mm -hmm. um, and one real quick example I can talk about now is body weight single leg exercises, and not lunges, but all sorts of other things, mm -hmm. single leg squats and jumps. And I mean, there's a whole world of explosive movements you could do without using any weight that'll mm -hmm. keep your hips and legs really powerful. Now, do you keep anything with you in your vehicle when you're when you're traveling? Like oh, yeah. Kettlebell. I have. Rings, anything I like usually that? bring a club with me everywhere, mm -hmm. and I have a set of bands with me. Okay. Tubes and bands. Okay. So I can play with those if I need to. Yeah, we actually have a piece of equipment here that was inspired from one of your YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I've never shown you this before, but it was one of your shoe reviews that you used to do, and you brought a thick ass jump rope oh yeah with you for yeah, the purpose yeah. of throwing it over a branch throw it over a branch and do pull -ups using with it, it for pull-ups yeah and that's uh after seeing that video mm -hmm. i got on amazon and i actually found that and i bought it okay so, no kidding yeah and that thing's lasted us uh, probably six seven years that's cool i i don't have mine anymore Those i missed things, that thing that thing was badass well you're more than welcome to use it <laughs> yeah awesome yeah it's uh it's it's hanging over by the dumbbells, I think. Because jumping rope with it is brutal. Yes, it is. Uh, and then you can do other things with it. But and it was interesting because when you speaking of jump rope, tangent time here. What the fuck is with double unders? Why is that so important? You're not building any skill whatsoever when you're doing dozens and dozens of double unders. All you're doing is getting better at double unders. Yes. And then what does CrossFit and those gyms do? They go out and make the rope even easier to do double unders with mm -hmm. exercise is supposed to be inefficient and all they're doing is making it more efficient just so you can do more of them. And it's missing the entire point. I literally have a, uh, a jump rope where the handles are made out of like a heavier aircraft aluminum yeah. with a steel bearing. Absolutely. And I can, that's the only rope I've ever been able to mm. successfully do a double under with. Yeah, I could fe actually feel where it was in space in my hands. It's it's not doing the work for you. You got to mm -hmm. actually do it. Um, yeah, if if exercise is becoming a disconnect from your body, then you're missing the point mm -hmm. of it. So yeah, I don't understand double unders and that and that 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 need to do tons of them. It, just because it gets your heart rate up doesn't mean you're doing anything. 
Um, I, I call it, it's a key example of what I call the fabulous fitness fallacy, which is we all know that we get tired when we build skills mm-hmm. and that, and that, you know, to me, that's what training is all about. We should be building skills and we all know that makes us tired. So we think because we're getting tired, we're building skills yeah. and that's just not the case. And double unders are a prime example of that. Grab that freaking six pound jump rope with the thick handles that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Do some jump ropes with that. Tell me how much better overall shape you're going to get in definitely but you know there's a lot of things that crossfit kind of misses the mark on yeah yeah they they became all about cram a bunch of stuff into time mm -hmm. you know it's all work capacity and they they, there's a point where at some point you're not building any skills other than work capacity and that Mm -hmm. work capacity from from doing things shitty doesn't cross over to work capacity for doing things well yeah okay sorry tangent (laughs) man happens (laughs) Yeah, you know, just as long as nobody mentions a burpee around you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I have an entire program on my website about burpees. Entire program? Yeah, because I think when you do them really, really well, they're a movement template. Mm-hmm. You learn how to do a proper push-up or a proper plank and a proper squat because those are the two things to me that a burpee should be. You squat mm-hmm. into a plank and then back to a squat. It's not a drop, squirm on the floor, and then worm your way back up. Mm-hmm. And so when you when I started thinking about it as a squat into a plank, well, those are two of the key shapes, I call them shapes, that I think are foundation movements. So if we can learn, use the burpee template to actually understand how to do a good plank or push-up and a good squat, um, then it becomes this beautiful movement meditation instead of a crappy mess so now this kind of gives me an opportunity to ask you a question i've always wanted to ask you in person oh okay when somebody does a jump though they yes. typically don't squat into a jump they hinge into a jump so kick yourself into the jump or or get into that squat then jump from that squat mm-hmm. um, whether it's a full squat or it's more hinge that's fine but but mm-hmm. for me the goal is still keep the shape of the spine yeah don't go from from a bent over position stand up and then do a little baby jump well, that's where CrossFit really always loses me with their burpees because when they're doing it for time, most of those athletes don't even stand up. Yeah, right. They, they just kind of they jump from a hunched over and they land back into that hunched over mm-hmm. position. The landing is key. Learning to land is such a key factor of what I in skill building for as far as I'm concerned, and yet it's never taught. And so when you see people do burpees and they land solid and then bend at the hips mm-hmm. without landing properly. They're just, oh, it just makes me cringe. Didn't you do a little parkour for a while? I still do whenever I can. There's actually a pretty cool parkour scene here in Baton Rouge. No kidding. Oh, that's cool. Those uh, those circus people that I keep throwing in and introduce you to, a lot of them do it. Yep, yep. There's always a crossover with that. In fact, if I ever need to find out who's doing parkour in the town, I look up the aerialists and the circus people and they'll usually be able to tell me. Yeah, they've got a, uh, there's a good, there's a fairly big, or not, I don't know if it's big, but uh a fairly good like breakdancing group here, yeah. uh, parkour, aerialists. Uh, what's today? Today's Sunday. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, today's Sunday. Yeah. They're actually uh, all up at the Renaissance Festival. Oh, wow. Right now, yeah, they, uh, they do every every fall for the Renaissance Festival. They perform every weekend there. Okay. And they do some pretty cool stuff. Nice, nice. Well, good job, Baton Rouge. Yep. Good movement culture. I just found out uh, I was just in Colorado in Boulder. They have a crazy movement culture in Boulder. Same thing. They have this huge break dancing school that also does acrobatics and stuff. And mm-hmm. I got to meet a lot of them. And that was really fun. 
So, and and, and I, with all my travels, I don't find that enough. Really? Yeah, I haven't found that near as much as I thought I would. Are you looking for it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm always keeping my ear open. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that there isn't that much of that scene where I'm from in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I always tried to get people to do more there. And it's it was always hard to, to get that going. Um, so when I see an already existing community like that, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Not enough breakdancing in this world. There's a lot in New Orleans. That's cool. Awesome. I, I And I know there's a scene in Atlanta. So I guess the South has a fair amount, but mm-hmm. um, I, it was hard to find out in, in Northern California, surprisingly. Yeah, that does seem weird. Yeah. It also seems like Body Tribe would have been the nexus to finding those people. Yeah, I know. And I kept my, my ear to the ground to see who was doing that sort of thing. But Sacramento was a little dry in the breaking community. Because hmm. I, I want to get into that a little bit. Well, I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I got to just not be hitting the road so often. Yeah. So what is Sacramento? What is kind of the hotbed for as far as the fitness community? Oh, the so Sacramento, before we even talk about fitness, what it's famous for is that it's close to lots of things. Okay. That, that's its selling point. Oh, yeah, Sacramento. It's close to the Bay Area. It's close to Lake Tahoe. Um, so it, it's always had a hard time establishing itself as a hub of something. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's the government seat of the seventh or eighth largest economy in the world. Yeah. But um, in terms of trends, um, it it finds them and then uses them. It doesn't create them as much. Okay. Uh, which is why it's been – Sacramento has been a crucial um, – area for marketers they always go to sacramento because it's, it's great to see what the how they can if they can market something there they know it might be successful other places and it's not because sacramento is groundbreaking it's because they're more they they follow a lot yeah I, I hate to say that but it's true um so in the fitness scene the fitness scene was very much the same way i mean i was the first gym to have kettlebells clubs any of that we 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 were the only gym for a long time that did um, strength sports, not just one, you know, we weren't a powerlifting gym. Mm-hmm. We were powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, whatever the hell else we could do, you know, and, and then we had a movement community. So we were, we were trying to find all the groovy stuff and, and be ahead of the pack. And we always were. And a lot of it was hard. was a hard sell because it wasn't trendy and, you know, clubs aren't trendy still. Yeah. And so getting people to, to realize, oh, you guys use clubs. Thankfully, we were known as the kettlebell gym for a while. And, you know, when kettlebells caught on, even though we were the first. Um, so when a trend finally hit, if it hit, we were already doing it. And that mm-hmm. helped us a lot. When Strongman hit, we were already doing it. And so that helped a lot. Um, but in terms of what Sacramento would be known for, I, I can't think of it as a as a nexus for anything. Um there was a famous uh, shoe store that started there. So endurance sports and marathoning, I, I guess, is a pretty pretty big world there. But again, I don't think anything really hatched there. Okay. I just think they take it and run with it. So that kind of brings me to my next question. Body Tribe was around for roughly 20 years. Yeah, started in 2003. During that time, you saw the rise of super training. You saw the rise of untamed strength. Yes. Which pulled from similar markets as you. Yeah, yeah. What did Body Tribe do to keep growing, kind of survive? You know, because obviously Mark Bell is a huge name. Right. 
you know, uh, Alan Thrall became a huge name. Right, Alan Thrall with his, uh, with very his YouTube successful channel. YouTube, yeah. So how did Body Tribe stay relevant in the strength sports community with other huge gyms so close to them? We won. Okay. We didn't have that many athletes, but when our athletes competed, we did really well. Okay. Um, for one, that's one, one version. Um, another is that we didn't specialize. Mm-hmm. If you came to our gym and you wanted to do powerlifting, guess what? You're probably also going to learn how to do a snatch. Yeah. And you might go pick up that stone, get really addicted to that, and also start doing strongman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then we might be, we might have the mats out and you might roll and tumble a little bit. And so you're going to become a much more um, uh, fluid and well-rounded athlete, but will also make you really good at your sport. And so you could come to us if you wanted to do one of those sports, but you also had access to more of those sports yeah. as well as more movement in general. So with that in mind, if you came to, if you wanted to just do strongman, yeah, you go see Alan who's by the way, such a cool guy. And if you, I, I want to meet him so bad. Yeah. yeah. He's, 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 um, he's a little more shy in person. Mm. Um, and that makes sense. I've heard the same thing about Mark Bell too. Like I've heard, <laughs> I haven't had that experience with Mark Bell. Yeah. Mark's been pretty, Mark's been pretty loud. Uh, Mark came to my gym when he first came to Sacramento to see if it might be a training fit for him. Okay. And he came to body tribe uh, because he heard of me through, uh, Jim Wendler and Dave Tate. Yeah. And so he came to body tribe and we just chatted and stuff. And I'm in, it was obvious that we weren't a fit cause mm-hmm. my gym was, was, you know, raw and roid free and all that stuff. And, 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 and not specific to powerlifting. Yeah. So, but he found another gym where he could, you know, park his boat and he wanted to know if I knew them. And I said, yeah, he used to be a trainer here actually. And he went and started his own gym. Mm-hmm. And so he found a home finally. And then he created his own gym after a while. Yeah. So I've known Mark forever, um, for almost his entire Sacramento life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just, we had very different ways of doing things. Yeah. You know, there was, there, there would be no slingshot at my gym. There would be no suits at my gym or you know, nothing like that. We just did everything wrong and for funsies and still got really strong in the process. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't specialize. We had a broader range and, but we also had a very solid grounding in real training. Mm-hmm. And so we also could open our doors to people who weren't interested in strength sports, who just wanted to move. And mm-hmm. that was, that's my biggest thing is getting everybody to move to some degree. And how did you go about finding those people? You, yeah. Uh, I didn't have to so much find them after years of just being around people discovered that by word of mouth, they discovered our philosophy was pretty well known after a few years. Mm -hmm. And so if people started thinking about fitness and they, Hey, I want to maybe get on the movement path, they would look into the fitness world and see what was out there and go, God, that all looks ridiculous. Aha. That body tribe place. They look welcoming. Mm -hmm. And so we did, we looked welcoming. We had art shows every Saturday uh, not every Saturday, but every second Saturday. Was a, once a month, they had a big second Saturday where the whole city turned into an art show, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing maybe Baton Rouge has something similar. We do. It actually happened last night in the okay. Mid-City area. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I can't remember what it's called. White Light White Night. Light. Okay. Yeah, White Light Night. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, so you picture would, that. You There's, would love our Mid-City area. It's, yeah, I it's bet. Incredible. I spent the night there once in, in a neat hotel. It was fun. That's actually where Red Stick was that I was talking to you about earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah they're there. 
So, um, yeah, that's a very similar thing. There's live music and, and all the businesses open up and, and put art on the walls. And mm-hmm. uh, our art shows were very unique. And very, I mean, we won awards for them. And we had, and we ran multiple events. We do live music. We do all these um, really cool things there. And so people understood that we were a culture center mm-hmm. as much as a gym. And that got people to feel comfortable coming to us. So by the time they came through our doors, they realized, oh, this place is, is a very unique but comfortable place to come. And, and they that's something I into. really wanted to emulate but haven't really been successful about it so far. The one thing that you're going to have a tough time with is simply location. Yeah. Because my original Body Tribe location was really easy to get to. It was mm-hmm. right in Midtown Sacramento. You could okay. walk to it. You know, People walked by it every day. So, yeah, as we moved, um, it was a little harder to keep that up. But I know you were talking earlier about turning this into a little cultural center, yeah. or I should say a fairly big cultural center. There's mm-hmm. enough square footage to do some really cool stuff. And I think that's the right route. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned live music. I think you should go with that too. But also what you were talking about is uh, community events. Do them here. Whether they're strength or, or fitness related or not, mm-hmm. let this space be a venue that I mean hold art shows here. There's some you got room to do some really cool stuff here. And how did you navigate? Because we also we are 24 hours. Mm. How did you navigate doing that while still being respectful to the members who wanted to come in and do their thing? Thankfully, we never were 24 hours. Okay. I mean, I if I did something now, I would probably go that route. I think it's a great route to go. Yeah. But at that time, we just couldn't have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. So most of what we did event wise was you know seven to midnight. Yeah. And the gym was open from six in the morning to seven. So, okay. Um, yeah, there wasn't, That's, that seems early for a gym to close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it, not always the case. Usually only yeah. on event nights. Sometimes okay. we'd be, we'd be there to eight or nine, but I don't think we'd ever do anything much past nine. Yeah. Cause I know like we've got people who don't even get off work till seven to come here. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah we had a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, well, I was talking to Chip earlier about, cause we, uh, was hosting like movie nights. No, I think it'd be a great idea. And once or twice a month, getting a getting a projector, mm-hmm. and you know, just like airing like classic meathead stuff to start off, like Roadhouse, Terminator, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Just kind of get it started and branch out from there. There was a there was a guy who who did that in Sacramento. He called it Mobs Movie on a Big Screen. Okay. And Movie on a Big Screen, he was able to to rent different locations and do that. And yeah, we were able to offer him a wall when some of his other places gave out Mm -hmm. um that was one opportunity another was there was this guy uh davy rothbart who has a magazine called found magazine and it's just a magazine that has stuff in it that has been literally found yeah and it was a fascinating magazine well he took that on tour he did this found magazine tour and he needed a place in sacramento and, uh, and we said yeah absolutely and so he came to our place several times um and loved it so much that we were even in a documentary that he did about it. Cool. And so that was really cool. And so traveling musicians and art projects and things like that knew that, hey, Body Tribe's a possible venue. And it was big enough that we could fit easily 40, 50 chairs, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it pretty good for, for a traveling group who just wants a small little audience. Yeah. And it worked great. And and our space was what do you have here? Six thousand. We have seventy six hundred. Okay, so you you were almost double what we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, my original location actually was less than was less than three thousand, 
And then we opened it up a little bit more from there. So you have more space than that. So, mm-hmm. you know, imagine being able to just do whatever the heck you want here. Yeah. Something to think about. It's a good idea, actually. Yeah. So um, that's initially. I wanted to know. Initially, our 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 art shows received all this popularity, and lots of people got to know us. But it wasn't bringing people to the gym. That came after some uh, some time, mm-hmm. and that's when people. And it took a while, and it was not. It didn't take too long, but it took long enough for me to get a little frustrated in the beginning. Yeah. But eventually. I didn't have to do much to promote us because everybody had been through our doors at some point. Yeah. Thousands of people had been through our doors. Mm-hmm. So when they thought, oh, I want to join a gym, boom, we popped right into their heads. Mm-hmm. So my brain just did the thing it does where like entire concepts and layouts and everything just kind of pop in instantaneously. Do you think that our sidewall or on the outside you could support projector screen? It could right be a projector screen. Well, it's kind of riveted. Oh, okay. So well, what you would do would is you would get something like a big bed sheet. Yeah. And yeah. that would be what you would project Absolutely. on. Because that would be able to be seen from the road when people drive by. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the space. You could put a couple of uh, rows of camp chairs. Yeah. We could bring a couple of grills, throw yeah. some meat on there. You don't necessarily need to do that. Just have people bring their own blankets. Don't charge for it. Yeah. People just. You've got so yeah. much space and potential here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, we could definitely make something work. Definitely. Yeah. You could like even this. start the night with a small little strength exhibition or something. Yeah. And then show the film. Or do something in the gym that's a little related to the film somehow. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah all sorts of fun. Did you ever have trouble with, like, licensing? Nope. Uh, at the time, Sacramento was being really good about it. Cool, cool. Um, and so uh, the only problem was we actually had neighbors upstairs. There were apartments upstairs. And, oh, uh, that had to suck to live above a jail. <laughs> those poor guys. There's this 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 pair of women that lived in one apartment, and then there's this uh, uh, pair of guys that lived in another apartment, and they were so nice and so understanding, but they had a limit. And yeah. so sometimes at like 11:30 at night, you'd see one of them outside the gym just come running into the place, going, "This needs to stop." And we were like, "Yeah, okay, we get it." Yeah. But man, they were so forgiving. They were so nice to us. We got away with a lot of shit. I mean, we did some weird stuff at that place. There's stuff I won't yeah. even really mention. Um, You're talking what, about the Great Orgy Fire of '97. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but <laughs> you're not far off. I, now, I will mention one thing that was a lot of fun. One night, my uh, my friend Andy, who who's now so funny enough, at this point in our relationship that I'm going to talk about, we were we had been in a band together. And he knew I had the gym, but he wasn't part of the gym yet. Mm-hmm. Now he is running. Now he, he kind of runs the space that I used to have the gym in. Yeah. He was a member of my gym forever. He's trained with me. We've, we've competed to, uh, with each other and around the country. And he runs the uh, Strongman Saturdays. He helps run the Strongman Saturdays okay. at the space where I used to be. So he's actually using a lot of my old equipment and stuff. So anyway, <coughs> back in the day before mm-hmm. any of that, he came to my gym and he said, I, I see you have a space here. I want to do something really uh, interesting for my girlfriend at the time. Who They were trying to one-up each other on doing cool things for each other's birthday. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to do naked mud wrestling here. And I said, you want to feature it? And he said, no, I want us, everybody at the party to be able to do it. We're going to have a mud wrestling pit. 
I think we're going to stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that no, would no. fly. Yeah. Please stay away from it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we are in the Bible Belt, sir. Yeah, well, we're a little, it, wasn't, uh... it wasn't the naked part that was horrible. It was the clean up. Oh, oh I'm sure. Two, for, so they got this clay and they got a kiddie pool, basically. And that clay would not come off of anything. So you'd wipe it and it would look clean and then there'd be the sheen of clay. Ooh. And so that was our entire floor, our entire bathroom. You could see, still to this day, you could go into that building and see specks on the ceiling. <laughs> it took us two days to clean it. It was, I mean, wow. two days of closing the gym down to clean it. So yeah, don't do the naked mud wrestling, but there's a lot of potential here to do interesting things. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'm married so we have to keep our clothes on, whatever we're doing. Heather can come. Yeah, I mean, she can come, but I don't know. Just let it, <laughs> let it be known that it's optional. Clothes, but, uh, clothes is optional. <laughs> but um, I have an N64, four controllers, and Golden Eye. Ooh, that would we probably could, draw every, that would probably draw every thirty year old in the city. Wow, we could project that. We have could do Golden Eye. Yeah, 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 that's actually really. Good I have idea. a couple of N sixty four controllers in games too. Now that you say it, yeah, I've got Golden Eye. I've got Mario Kart. Yeah, I bet. I bet we just need, could, super, we just need a Smash with just a little bit of. I have uh, With just a little bit of uh, research, you guys could probably get multiple stations and multiple probably screens going. Yeah, have like a tournament. Man, Shit. Ah, yeah. it's not a bad idea. Goldeneye, because that was a classic. Yeah. Wow. You know, we just outlawed the use of Odd Job, and we're good. <laughs> yeah. You know, Odd Job is cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you ever play? Do you ever, no, but I know the reference did? to it because I remember that the, yeah. the Odd Job. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like take everyone our age and just play their childhood on the screen. Wow, that would be awesome. We'll get them in. If you could, I mean, if you could get multiple situations, like maybe get in an old Atari. Yeah. You know, freaking Pac-Man or Dig Dug on the old Atari or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff. What about a Guitar Hero party? That would be fun too. Oh, that would be great. Get a drum yeah. set, a couple of guitars. Get yeah, yeah. Somebody who can sing poorly up there on the mic. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could I take that even further. You could do karaoke nights. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I was thinking Guitar Hero Band Night. Yeah. Guitar Hero Band. Night. You set up your Guitar Hero Band. And yeah. We used to. Like we used to have. Shows. Well, we we did that at, at Body Tribe a few times. We we had band practice. And we'd have, we run it on. We just put up a big scrub, mm-hmm. uh, sheet on the wall mm-hmm. and run Guitar Hero. We did that a few times. Yeah, that was okay. fun. So now, what? You, we start with PlayStation Four or an Xbox or something. PlayStation Four, Xbox One. Um, you could probably get the accessories for those now because they're the older generation for mm-hmm. fairly cheap. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I've got the uh, PS3 and the N64. Oh, you can definitely. Oh my get, gosh! The only thing that would be hard to come by would be the N sixty four stuff, but it shouldn't be. Well, the N sixty four stuff never existed for Guitar Hero. Well, but are you just talking about in general? Just in general. you can find all that. Yeah, the, the yeah, only thing you markets, might, eBay. The yeah. only thing you might need is multiple sound systems. Uh, you've got a PA system sitting behind you. Yeah, but if you're going to run multiple games, yeah. you might have to do multiple sounds, and it doesn't have to be huge. It could even be just a portable speaker. Yeah, but something you got big. one of those too. We can make it work. That'd oh be a lot gosh. of fun. We'll run everything through the uh, through the twin reverb. Okay. You know, I've never. You might appreciate this because mm. that's. Uh, I think that one was made in '83. It's a hundred watt two man. Oh, your Fender. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never turned it past one. <laughs> and I, yeah, one of yeah. these days, I'm going to bring it in there and actually crank it up and see what it can do. Mm-hmm. But the in the first incarnation of Body Tribe, when I first opened, I had my PA system in there, and mm-hmm. my PA system was an EV with. I at the time I had four 
speakers, 15 inch PA speakers. Mm -hmm. And I, I, one was too much. Like I I just had to er, turn the knob to hair and it would just rock to that entire room. And it was so much overkill. I eventually sold it, but it was so fun knowing that I had the badass system. So we have a member, uh, he owns a company called Basaholics. Right, the Basaholics. Yeah, he does all the stuff from the cars. And he is still working on getting us some, um, I'm trying to remember, Kicker was going to donate uh, some of their outdoor speakers oh, to, uh, to no mount this place and a sub. <laughs> so Absolutely. We could, we could probably knock the whole walls down yeah, with that yeah. if we wanted to if that when that happens you're gonna be very glad you don't live here anymore yeah <laughs> when i come in at five yep. in the morning 100 percent. wow all right there we go events you got it all set up yep all right god there were a couple more things i wanted to mention ah uh so let's go ahead and we'll move on from the events thing because i do definitely want to we talk, talk about that all day <laughs> yeah i definitely want to talk more about you and what you do and mm. kind of what you're wanting to do in the community and all that cool stuff. Yeah, whatever. Let's talk about live music here at your gym. Now, let's, <laughs> let, let's move on to Nerds of Iron. Okay. Oh, Nerds of Iron. That's something that could I be really, an event at your gym. It could be. And that's something I really want to get going here. But I want to make sure that people kind of have a foundational idea of what the hell it is mm-hmm. before we start making a, uh, Facebook events for it and inviting people. Well, so, it, it honestly could be anything. What I set up was and i called it nerds of iron because i wanted it to date have some historical relevance to it and if you're Mm -hmm. an iron nerd who loves your history then some of it might be uh uh, might appeal to that and so it it was re uh giving giving new life to some of the old lifts while maybe also doing some current stuff so the the last version we did we did multiple versions of it but there was always a two hands anyhow Mm -hmm. which was awesome because, I mean, nobody bent presses anymore. So some people did that, but a lot of people one arm snatched or one arm clean and pressed the first weight or whatever. But there was a two hands anyhow. And the rules were you get a barbell and your pick of the kettlebell and you pick the weight and you just lift it. The only rule was that the barbell had to be in one hand, the kettlebell had to be in the other hand, and they both had to be extended over your head. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was the only rule. You could grab them both with two hands and pick them up that way, but you had to end up with the barbell in one hand, kettlebell in the other hand, locked arms. Mm-hmm. Interesting. However the hell you wanted to do that. So, you know, historically, it would be yeah. a bent press, and then you scoop up the second weight and clean and press it, basically. Um, so, But we just said, do it however you want. And that was super fun because you let the people pick the weight, and you get three attempts and all that stuff. And then we had a get-up. Just a get up. You you start on the ground with a barbell. It's a barbell get up, mm-hmm. and you stand up, and you have to end up with your arm locked over your head. In fact, your arm can't bend at any time. So you got to stand up. Oh, and you also have to get back down. That was, in fact, the lift is done when you're back to the ground, mm-hmm. so you can't drop or you can't fall or anything like that. So those were the the two sort of historical ones. Um, then the next two events changed all the time. What I finally ended up with was a. You did a, a log clean and press. Mm-hmm. And whatever you could do with the log, you had to do half that weight with the dumbbell in both hands. One one hand, both the right hand and the left hand. Okay. Did I go that route or did I double it the other way? Was it the dumbbell first and the log? Anyway, the goal was, I think you could go any route you wanted. You just had to clean and press the log weight and then do half of that weight in, in one hand and then the other hand. Yeah. How, however order you did it was entirely up to you. 
So you had a circus dumbbell and you had a log. Okay. And that was and that was that. And then the last one was uh, we eventually ended up on a sandbag throw, but instead of height, you went for distance. And so you just spun around and let it launch. Okay, so it's more like a like a wait for distance. Yeah, it's more for games. like a wait for distance or, or like a hammer throw. Okay. A lot of you're, people spun like a hammer you throw. You ever done Highland Games? No, I've trained for it. Oh, they're so much fun. But I haven't done it yet. They are so much fun. Um, there's going to be one in Pensacola here in a few months. So, oh, no kidding. Yeah, I'll shoot you the uh, the event. Maybe you can put it on your calendar because I do uh, – that, that show is big enough to where you can do weight classes. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah. A sub 200 and a above 200 yeah, yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I kind of want people to know about when it comes to nerves and virus, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, there were no weight classes, correct? That's right. There, there were no weight classes. There was an overall winner who, you know, weight be damned, whatever. It just lifted the most weight total. Yeah. But there, the, the other winner was based on your body weight. Okay. So we had two. We had two winners basically: the overall winner and the one based on body weight. And I imagine you did this like for the men and the women. Yeah, exactly. And there was a, and you did that by formula or yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we're not gonna really get into the formula because I know I won't understand it. Now, I mean, it's pretty basic. I also incorporated age too. Okay. And so, um, it's sort of it was similar to the Wilkes. Um, Will is Wilkes the powerlifting or the weightlifting? Wilkes is powerlifting. Powerlifting, that's right. So whatever the weightlifting formula was. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, I didn't know I they had one. I can't one. remember either. And it, changed, it changes like every 10 years or something anyway. Okay. So, but it was similar to that. You just factor in the age and the and the, and the the body weight and then somehow divide it. I don't remember how I did it. But okay. basically, you know, that, that way somebody like me who's 170 pounds could go up against somebody like you. And, you know, 171 and 51 pounds and, or 51 years old, and I could go up against you and have a chance. Yeah. You know, or worse off, Colt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Uh, good luck with that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about was that you are also a writer. Because uh, we yes. haven't, yeah, but we haven't mentioned any of your books or anything like that. Yeah. And I always forget to. <laughs> it, that's a pretty big one. Uh, <laughs> given that you, you travel around to teach now. Yeah. That's probably one of the main ways to support you really, isn't it? You know, it's funny. That's probably, besides my website, I think my biggest income is the books right now. Yeah. So, yeah, we should probably tell our probably 12 listeners, including it. my mom, about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, my mom might want, want to buy a book. I have I have two books that I consider important. I've, written, I, I've done three, but the first one, I, I it's not even available anymore. But I have two books that I consider important. One's called Are You Useful? And the other one's called More Inclined Towards Adventure. I always forget the title. But um, they're all about the why of what we do. And More Inclined Towards Adventure goes a little bit into the what and how, but not, mm-hmm. not too much. It just talks about my, about my program design a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really delving into how to create a philosophy of strength and movement. It's I, I can talk all day about them, but I think I'll just sum it up with that. Okay. Um, Sounds like I need to buy a couple of books. Well, I have, <laughs> I have, uh, are you useful in the office in there? Mm. I haven't bought his second book yet. Like I didn't even know. It's it really, it's really cute. Day. It's a tiny little book. It's really cute. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's adorable. Just, it's adorable. It's an adorable book. Okay. Um, it's heady though, in terms of, of getting you to delve into yourself a little bit. It's heady. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, it's not, it's not Atlas shrugged heavy or anything, you know, it's not like you, you, know, you don't have to be smart to read it. You just have to be oh, willing to have, yeah. You just have to be willing to be introspective a little bit. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I think I can brave being introspective for a minute or two. Cause if we, 
okay, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. If we delve into our training philosophy, it needs to be um, where it should be. I, I'm going to I'm going to say it should be uh, reflective of our value system. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people who who are training in a way that actually doesn't look like their value system. If they value respect and love and appreciation, but they're training it in this abusive manner without any connection to themselves, which I see a lot these days, um, uh, then they're not actually training within their value system. So the, the books are talking about, hey, first find what your value system is, and then how do you train from that place? So that kind of reminds me of your last blog, well, not your last blog post, but the one you wrote about uh, how your perspective has changed since you became a father. Yeah, it actually reflected yeah. how I, the, um, I overhauled my training program basically because of what he said. Mm-hmm. Why are you training? What are you training for? And the training needs to reflect that. So the training program that I'm making up as I go, which is inspired by the program you gave me, it's kind of part of all that too. He's running something similar to uh, Josh Thigpen's version of the cube. But I, okay. I mutated into something that that's mine. Right, right, right. It should always be an expression of you. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned that fatherhood was a big inspiration for that. Yeah, because it... Um, yeah. I, I see that a lot. Yeah. Kids change everything. Because it used to be... It used to be I would just train with reckless abandon. Like, just get as strong as possible. If things break, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, I'm trying to get as strong as possible. But it also is like... Why? There's I still need now. to be there for her. Yeah, yeah. So, my philosophy now is... My daughter doesn't need a bitch for a dad, so I need to be strong and capable. Absolutely. But I also need to be able to walk. Yeah. I need to be able to do things with her. So when you started talking about how it's the movement thing, like how being able to to be able to move and it's, I really want to get more into that because I know, I know that could take all day, but that's really been in my mind. Like I want to be strong, but I also want to be able to move well. Well, here's it. So this is something I do with my clients. And I do this at all my workshops. We start defining what strength means, because there's the absolute physical definition, which is the body's ability to generate force. But that's not how usually how we talk about strength. We talk about strength on a metaphysical level, beyond physical, right. how it affects us in daily lives. And so, what I have people do is I I just have them ask themselves the question, why is strength important? And then once you start answering that question. You've defined what it is. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're going to have a, def- a different definition than you probably would before childhood, right. before you had the child. And right now, you like you were talking about, um, there's going to be the protection element. There's yeah. going to be the element of providing. Uh, in fact, my I call them my big three Ps, protect, provide, and play. Yep. Those are my big three Ps. And when I start asking why strength is important, and therefore I, I'm able to define what it is, that will change my training because I actually have a goal suddenly. Yeah. So if protect and provide and play are my goals, then I have to look at my training and go, is that actually training for those three things? Or is it like you were saying earlier, reckless abandoned training where it just makes me feel good. It makes me feel strong, but it might be purposeless. Right. So yeah, kids can be a big imp- uh, impact on us to finally ask ourselves what is the purpose? Yeah. No, so that's right. I came up with my three P's and I'm sure you're going to come up with a bunch. Yeah. So yeah, there's, that, the, that, there's that your basically, question. Basically, that's the basic template of my, my train of thought. Yeah. 
So there's there's the question you and this is homework we do for the rest of our lives. Why is strength important? You have your definition of what it is. Does your training reflect that? Hmm. I think it's getting that way, but I know that I still need to refine it. A little oh, it's, bit more. it's 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 lifetime homework. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, it'll change all the time, and it'll expand and grow all the time. But we just have to be willing to actually be do be doing that. Right. To uh, uh, be willing to be able to ask ourselves that all the time. Every time we have a training session, every time we create a workout, to sit down and go, "What is strength? Why is it important to me?" Right. And then, oh, I can train from that place. It's actually kind of cool because it just it actually opens more doors than it closes. Right. It opens all the areas you want to look at and go, oh, I'm maybe I'm not strong over here. Maybe I need to work on this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then suddenly your programming will just go, wee, and it'll expand and it'll meet your value system. Yep. So anyway, that's what my book's about. I need to get those books. <laughs> right? Um, it was a really good read. I very much, it took me forever to read it because I'm not good at actually sitting down. I'm sorry there were no pictures. And reading a book because I can't read. Uh, cause you know, I usually do audio books, but, um, but yeah, it was definitely like for, for a book that I sat down and actually went cover to cover and read the actual book mm. instead of doing audio. I did not regret spending that time doing it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, that's a big thrill. Thank you. I normally, I do regret just sitting still in one spot. <laughs> I'm not good at that at all. <laughs> Like I, I like audio books because I can do that while I'm doing the dishes. Sure, sure. Or vacuuming the house. Or, or, or even driving. driving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to point out right now that your dog is under my legs and my dog is under your legs. Yes, they have traded. Um, <laughs> Hercules is ready to hit the road. He wants to go on adventures. And Colab's done with adventures. She's been on the road <laughs> yes. for weeks and weeks and weeks. She's like, oh, let's just, just let me lie down for a while. Yes, here is the land of infinite butt scratches and... And that's not just for dogs. No. No, like for the right price, we'll scratch anyone's butt. Yeah, yeah. That should actually be on your signage. Yeah, that can be an event. Yep, there you go. <laughs> well, you never <laughs> offered me that. I feel offended. Well, I didn't think you could afford it. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> so, you know, like uh, move up a couple of tax brackets and we'll talk. That's advanced. Right. It's part of the advanced training program. It is. Okay. Well, I'm not quite advanced. Maybe one day. Maybe. It's a big maybe. Um, so that really kind of covers all the big things that I really wanted to hit mm. on this first go around. Was there anything you wanted to ask Chip? Yeah. Cause, Cause I have pretty much talked this entire time with him. I don't know when I'll be able to see you again. So while I had the opportunity, you brought up, you said something specifically about hips, mm-hmm. my hips. I don't really say this a lot, but my, particularly my left hip sucks. Oh. So if I don't continuously do things like, um, Single leg RDLs, mm-hmm. uh, single leg low back extensions, mobility work like couch stretches and things like that. Yeah. My I am inhibited from advancing, and I could feel it when I do things like squat and deadlift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I, what happens if I try to get really low under a heavy squat? If that left hip is not loose, a little twisty, twisty. It my low back will compensate for it. Uh huh. Yeah. And okay. that's when I get hurt. Mm-hmm. And. It's not your fault, it's mine, but when we went, when you and I did mosh wrestling the first time I met you, <laughs> that's when I had that, ah, shit moment, here we go again. Oh, no. And that's what happened was I tweaked my back because that left hip was super wound up. Oh, wow. So that was one of those learning moments for me, like, okay, I need to get better at that. Yeah. So when it comes to hip health and being able to do the thing that I'm trying to accomplish, what is your, what's your take on that? Two, two big things I can mention. One is do something first thing in the morning. 
mm-hmm. like get out of bed, drink some water. Hopefully your, your kid is still asleep or something. Try to find five minutes at some point in the morning just to open the hips. Well, that's what I, I do that here. My, I work out exclusively in the morning. Okay. So yeah, um, that's helpful. Yeah. So like at 5 a.m. I'm walking in the door. Yeah. Okay. Because I find that doing something, you know, within the, the, the first part of your day helps dictate the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, but also regularly throughout the day, like if you can little five minutes sprinkled in here and there, but here's the thing about those five minutes is, and, and, and your training in general, and that's find a way to have a connection with your hips instead of, cause this is what I see all the time. People relying on the exercises to do the thing for them. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, for instance, uh, I'll talk about glutes, which are part of the hips, but, uh, you'll see people like Brett Contreras and, you know, the famous glute guys, right? They're always, they're always about glutes. Yeah. Glutes are super important, but if you're trying to find the best glute exercise, instead of making everything a glute exercise by having that connection with your butt, mm-hmm. then you're relying on the thing to do it for you rather okay. than you doing it yourself. So for instance, yeah, single, single leg stuff is great. Mobility is great, but if you're not building the connection with the actual movements, if you can't um, turn on the things that need to be turned on when they should be turned on by yourself, mm. um, that's what you need to be working on. Okay. And yes, some exercises help promote that, but we got to learn to not rely on the exercises. Okay. Um, for instance, a push-up is a great glute exercise if you know how to turn on your glutes while you're doing it. Um, sitting right here. Can you squeeze one butt cheek and then the other butt cheek independently? Yeah, actually, I can. Good. So did, did we all just do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hopefully, all did. if you're listening, we you doing just some, did that. We doing some chair twerking. We call them <laughs> anal kegels or canals. Okay, I would like to say that he calls them that. <laughs> no, we, we all do now. Or one of my clients, because I, I tell people when you're trying to find your glutes, one of the things that helps is to find your sphincter. And that we call those anal kegels. And that's where the importance of the squat plug comes in. Exactly. <laughs> One of my clients says, anal kegels, you mean angels. So now she calls them angels. That's funny because Chastity calls the squat plug a squug. A <laughs> squug. Yeah, so so yeah, get your squat plug out. Um, but yeah, having trying to build that connection um, so you can do it on command. So you can control those muscles on command mm-hmm. rather than having the exercise do it for you. That way the exercise will actually build an awareness as well as building the strength. Mm-hmm. Cause I know a lot of people who you see this a lot in high level athletes, high level athletes are really good at what I call monkey see monkey do. They can mimic a movement and reproduce it without embodying it. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you get, you get that, you know, let's say you got a, a high-level college football player comes into your gym and they can learn how to do a clean within seconds. I've, I've experienced, I used to work for LSU football and I've, I've used to seeing freak athletes like that. Yeah. And what they were capable of doing was like just like that, which is mind-blowing. Right. But the chances are they're not embodying the movement. No, they're, they're not. They're just able to mimic it. Yeah. And so – what most of us have to learn and what they have to learn eventually, which is why I have all athletes, no matter what level, go through my basic program, right. is learn to embody the movements. Because that way, you can get more out of any movement if you know what it's doing and you feel what it's doing and you can control what it's doing. I'm starting to see some of that um, with the younger strength coaches who are coming coming ah, up through good, the ranks. Good. Um, I follow a lot of them on social. I'm not in that world anymore, but I follow a lot of them on Twitter and stuff like that. And you're starting to see a lot of them trying to, teach our athletes 
what these things are doing, mm-hmm. why they're doing it, and why you should be thinking about these things when you're doing it. Yeah. Because what I'm seeing some of them say is that before it was kind of strictly performance driven, like how much can you squat, how fast can you run, right. how high can you jump. But because they're not really diving into why they're training certain exercises, they're right. just shooting for performance. That's you know you have torn ACLs and you have these injuries and they kind of peak before you know before they they peak and they can't really get over the next hurdle when they're trying to go to the next level because they're just monkey see monkey do yeah exactly their body is so ahead of their connection with it yeah and that they got to catch up that connection with it yeah that's very true and that you know it's one thing i love the concept of peaking Mm -hmm. that's such a uh, westernized American, American, but a westernized modern concept. If you look at any other animals in, in their cultures, you look at the dogs or anything like that, or your cats at home or something, they never peak. No. If you've had an aging dog, you know, you got a 14 year old dog who can barely walk, you shake the keys, the dog still wants to get up and go and run outside. The dog didn't peak. Right. But dog's body might be falling apart, but it hasn't peaked. Uh, you know, and, and, to peak is a very modern human thing. And so, so are competitions. Yeah, it's true. A lot of the competitions are very modern. So I'm thinking if we can, if we, let's say we, you know, we, we, at 25, we're supposed to peak. I'm 51. That means I was, I'm supposed to have 26 years of going downhill. So what if we keep trying new things? Trying new things means we never quite peak because we're always getting new skills. Right. Okay. I understood peak in a different context of the conversation. Yeah. No. You I, said peak, and I was thinking peaking is like peaking during your training cycle. Right. During your training cycle. No, I mean yeah. in life. Okay. Because you're told, uh, we're told as 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 young athletes these days that you know we're, we're supposed to be our best by 25. If I'm going to live to 80 and I'm my best at 25. I want 55 years of going downhill. That just seems ridiculous. Yes. So something that I was reminded of while rewriting my philosophy towards my training program was that you grow as you adapt. So you don't, you don't grow and you don't adapt unless you try different things. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm supposed to, like you say, peak at 25 at what I'm doing. Well, then that's when you're just trying to, okay, I peaked at this, but let's, learn how to do something else adapt my body to that and then i keep growing yeah somewhere imagine all those skills you'll build over your lifetime yeah if you just keep trying new things one of the one of the biggest things i try to promote within my clients is curiosity Mm -hmm. what can i do not just what can i do at this one thing but this one thing let's say it's squatting Mm -hmm. how is this squat going to make me better to go do other things right um, and that's, I, I call it the 800 pound squat syndrome and I'm just using squat as an example, but it was funny that, that your client actually mentioned yeah. the 800 pound squat, the 800 pound squat syndrome, and you can replace 800 pound squat with anything. You can replace it with yoga, CrossFit, whatever you want. The point is we get this one idea in our mind that we're going to get good at that one thing. Initially, I'll use the squat as an example. Initially you used a squat to make you better. Mm-hmm. And then at some point. You're just squatting to make the squat better. Right. And all those other things that it was making you better at, they start dropping off. All the potential that you were building, you start getting to this point where that potential starts disappearing because all you're doing is squatting. Right. Your relationships suffer. Your body suffers. All your, all your other things start to suffer. So the squat went from, from making you better to actually hindering you. 
And so, and, and again, I'm using the squat as an example. You can plug anything in there. Definitely. You can plug anything in there. I've seen people get so into yoga that they couldn't do anything else. It's literally anytime you become the best in the world at something, so, everything else suffers. It's, it's funny you mentioned the best in the world because one of the things I, I, I promote all the time is let's be our best instead of the best and mm-hmm. understand what the difference is. Because I know a lot of people who are reaching their best and they suck as humans. Yeah. Sure. They're not, they're not their best at all. They're just the best at something. And mm-hmm. so uh, as much as I love you know, competing and training for competitions, I think we're all going to have a much greater time at it if we're becoming the best version of us rather than the best version of whatever that thing is telling us we're supposed to be. So there's this quote that um, it's kind of making us run around social media, but it made me think a lot. And you guys have heard the old quote, um, a jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually not the whole quote. I'm sure y'all know that. I didn't. Well, I the whole quote, the quote is, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but a jack of all trades is always better than a master of one. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're saying is if you, you know, if, like in our world strength training, if you're super specific in something like getting that 800-pound squat, mm-hmm. you're going to have the best squat in the world. Right. But if you have to, let's say, go against someone who, let's say, has a 500-pound squat, but I'll try the 315 bench and can power clean 225 right. and can run a 4 740 mm-hmm. and is a moderate boxer, <laughs> they have more even though they're not experts in any of yeah. them mm-hmm. they have skill in each of in, in in all of them one of them is batman and the other is dave tate yes yeah so, pretty much uh, recently i talked about this in one of my youtube videos because i did a, a strength i did a strongman competition um and it was a pretty easy one which is why i signed up for it because I, I was supposed to be retired from strongman this year i was supposed to have done my last meet many months ago but my buddy Chad said, hey, there's this one coming up. It's, you know, you want to hop in? I'm like, yeah. I didn't train a day for it because I, it was like a week away. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, all my training is sort of supporting it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go do it. And I hopped in, and the second event was deadlifts. Everybody in Strongman loves to do deadlifts now. I'm so sick of a basic deadlift as a Strongman event. That's a powerlifting event. Right. If you're going to do a deadlift, do something weird. Do an axle. They were chasing that record for so long that it's just stuck. Yeah, it's just stuck. And so now you see these deadlift, even a deadlift ladder is kind of ridiculous. Just do, just do something weird with the deadlift. Pick something up off the ground in a weird way. So anyway, my little rant about deadlifts. So anyway, we got to the deadlift portion, and and part of it's because I suck at deadlifting. I'm not, I'm not great at deadlifter. So we get to the deadlift portion, and the guy next to me, because we're going two at a time, the guy next to me got probably close to six times as many deadlifts as I did. 90 seconds. Not a minute, but 90 seconds. That's a long That's time a to lot deadlift. deadlift. So I got five, you know, and I'm happy with that because I didn't know if I was even going to get one. I'm like, yay. <laughs> and I loved that 90 seconds because I did four, rested for 60 seconds, <laughs> did another one. Meanwhile, he's basically crossfitting it up next to me. He's He gets close to 30 reps. Jesus. Yeah, because he's a deadlifter. Mm-hmm. Just a monster deadlifter. He was in, after the first two events, he was in first place. He did pretty good on the log, too. I did okay on the log, but he did pretty good on the log. The next three events were carrying events in stone. Mm-hmm. And now that's weird stuff. Right. I like the weird stuff. And I beat him on those three events to, to the point where we tied, ultimately. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I had, I, I don't, this isn't, this isn't to boast, but I had a broader skill set. 
And so by my broader skill, well, I call it the Martins Lisa syndrome. Mm-hmm. You see him do this in every single meet. He's not the best in any event, but he does pretty well at all the events yeah. and he wins. He just won yep. the rogue invitational because um, he kept coming in in the middle of the pack consistently. And so he won the damn thing. Which kind of reinforces my point. Like, exactly. It's, it's yeah. the same point. It's uh, And I think that's very important. I'm so glad he did that because people had all but stopped talking about him since he uh, got injured. I know. Yeah. And he just came back and dominated yeah. that. And he, he he dominated it by not dominating it, which is what he does. That's what he did at the Arnold when he took second. And he... You hear that person call Brian Shaw a sleeper? No. Yeah. A sleeper? Yeah, like Brian Shaw, somebody you don't really expect much from, but he could come behind and win this whole thing. Oh, the guy who's won World's Strongest Man how many times? A lot. Four four times? Four times. Well, somebody had the nerve to call him a sleeper. (laughs) I don't know if I call him a sleeper. He's very accomplished. Yeah. 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 So that, I think you're exactly what you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. Have have multiple skill sets. Which, if if you can ask Cameron, over the last four years or so, I've really. I come from a football background, mm. so with a lot of like cleans and squats and right, stuff. Right, right, right. And then I came over here and I started getting a strongman. And then I went back and did some powerlifting on my own just for fun. And then went back into a lifting lifting. And now my program is kind of like there is no specificity. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's movement and moving under load within those movements, but in a variety of ways. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I think there's a big – when it comes to moving load, mm-hmm. I think there's the big three. You pick something off the ground, you put it over your head, and you carry stuff. Yeah. I think those are the big three. Strongman, that's the sport of strongman. Right. Um, Olympic weightlifting has one of those. You could say two of those, I The guess. overhead. That's the overhead and the picket from the ground. Yeah. Um, powerlifting kind of has one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – that's kind of why I like strongman is I think it's an overall strength sport. It covers yeah. so many grounds. Now that's not all there is to movement. I also think you have to be able to um, roll and tumble on the ground. You have to be able to get up from the ground. Scratch your back. Yeah. I mean, I, I have six <laughs> categories all, all together, but three of those categories are pick something off the ground, put it over your head and carry stuff. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm stealing from Dan John, but um, I remember we taught this at the same workshop at the same time. He and I, we both kind of said it and looked at each other and went, huh, who's stealing from who here? We're not, <laughs> sh- we're not sure. Um, but yeah, and so if if we're getting, like you were just saying, you got, you got your weightlifting, you got your powerlifting, you got your strongman, mm-hmm. you're covering a lot of bases there. But you can boil it down to those three things. Mm-hmm. Pick something off the ground, put it over your head, and carry it. Yeah. How many ways can you do that? Lots and lots and lots and lots. Almost what, infinitely. Yeah. And what do you need to get stronger to do those things? Oh, there's a lot of great little, I mean, bent over rows are not any of those. And yet it's a great support exercise for all of those. Right. So, you know, get your bent over rows. You got your pull downs or pull ups. They're going to, that's going to be a good support for some of those. I mean, a squat in itself isn't necessarily a skill, but it's going to support those. So yeah, you got you got those three skills, and then you got all the stuff that's going to make those skills better, and you have this possibility of an endless program. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That way, I can go out into the woods and find a log or find a rock and go, "What can I do with this log or this rock or even just my body that's going to support those things?" Oh, there's a ton of stuff, and that's that's why training, if you look at it in terms of skills instead of movements or exercises. Um, it opens more doors and you can really uh, fill in the gaps easier. Yeah. So I kind of want to take a backtrack and talk more about the philosophy. Oh. Uh, because 
you said that one of the reasons why Body Tribe stood out is because y'all won. Yeah. That was something you mentioned very emphatically in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, it, it was weird. It was like a different Chip Conrad kind of surfaced when you said that <laughs> sentence. It was really interesting. Did you notice no, that? No, that was competitive Chip Conrad. Coming yeah. Out. Like, <laughs> like, that, that, was, that was a fu- different human that I have. That was some yet. fire. But, um, you also talked later on about how being the best at something doesn't necessarily make it the best you. Right. However, all of these sports that we're really talking about today are not team sports. Right. So how do you, I don't, what's the right word? It's not justify. Um, you'll, you'll kind of be able to pick up what I'm saying, but your gym and your philosophy is very tribal. It's a collective. It's mm-hmm. about the community. Mm-hmm. But the sports that you have chosen to have your athletes compete very in. Very individual sports. They're very individual sports. So yeah. how do you put those two things together in your brain and make them work? To be the best member of a tribe, you have to be the best you you can be. Mm-hmm. And so being able to be an individual, a unique, strong individual, is the best way to contribute to a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um uh, in, in fact, I think a lot of people get that idea mixed up. They think being part of a group means conforming to the group. No, it means being the best individual you can be to bring those unique experiences to that group. Mm-hmm. And then you all support each other in those individual ideas and learn from each other. And I think strength is the same way. If you bring your unique strength uh, to the tribe, um, you can support the tribe. In return, the tribe's going to support your unique strength. And I know you've seen this, and I've seen this a ton in strength sports, where I'll, I'll use, I remember an early powerlifting meet I was at, where, and I saw this time and time and time and time again, but I remember this specific instance. There was a, a guy who was fairly new, didn't look the part or anything. You know, obviously, he was, he was there to just to experience himself at a powerlifting meet. He's squatting way below what everybody else is squatting. He's not particularly strong compared to everybody else. But I remember watching him squat, I don't know, he's squatting maybe 230 or something, which at that meet was the opener, was so far below everybody else's opener. He squats 230, something like that, and he puts 100% effort into it. And every single person there will remember him way longer than they'll remember whoever won that meet. I mean, I'm still remembering him. And that's because we watched that guy bring everything he had to it. And the whole community got behind him and said, yeah, let's do this. And that, to me, is what strength sports is about. It's you being an individual pursuing your journey, having this support network, because they all understand the same journey. They're not on your journey, but their journeys parallel yours. And so they all get it, too. And you all kind of support each other that way. Yeah, you see that a lot. I've noticed that a lot. Um, this past year was my first time actually competing in Strongman. And that was one of the things that I noticed because even though you want to beat this guy. Right. And he, 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 and he wants to beat you. And you're only tailing him by a point. He's still there cheering you He's on. totally going to root you on. To, he wants to see you hit that number. True competition is when two people or two teams, whatever, bring their best to the other mm-hmm. to make that other person better. And what's even funny, what's even more surreal to me is after the competition's over and they declare a winner, the two are talking about their training philosophy. They're like, hey, I saw you do this, but if you do this, man, you'll beat me next time. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that 
I can't, I saw that at the Arnold's multiple times. So I got to, I got to go behind the scenes at the Arnold's as a, with my staff pass and interview a lot of the people there. And I remember, uh, I, I'll use one specific event, uh, example. Nick Best had just did, uh, just done the, um, the frame carry mm-hmm. and they have the little uphill frame carry mm-hmm. the thing weighed 1200 pounds or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So Nick Best did the frame carry and then the next person was coming up to do it. Um, and he, and he went to the person and he said, Oh, Okay check out where you might want to put your hands and all. I mean, he was telling the guy, look, I did this. It didn't work. You might want to try this. Yeah. And he was sharing secrets. So the guy could actually beat him. Mm-hmm. And this was a, you know, the, the top level event. And, and that w- that left a huge mark on me, but I see that now all the time at local events. Like, like you said, I know we saw it during the log press at the Rougarou this year, mm. Pat and Brian and, were both and... going for a national log press record. Yep. And, uh, they were cheering each other on the yeah. entire time, knowing it could be either of them. Because if if you're bringing your best, you're also gonna make them their best, and yeah. you want to make them their best, and you want them to make you your best. Yeah, and, and which is funny because that's something that I didn't see in team sports, like which is all about dominate, conquer, yeah, win at all costs. It's all about us versus them, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see them in like in team sports that I've been a part of. It's it's a lot of animosity between the two. That's it, an uglier side of tribal mindset, which I'm curious: does Bi Tribe ever have that kind of rear its ugly head? No, we didn't allow that. Okay, it didn't didn't work. Um, there's a there's a great book called Ancient Athletics, Ancient. Greek athletics and ancient ideals and Greek, I can't remember, by Daniel Dombrowski. And he talks about play coming in three categories. Uh, And I talk about this in my book. Um, There's play that is frolic, which is no rules, just for the sake of the joy. There's play as in competition, where, as I'm mentioning, two people or two teams trying to bring out the best in each other by also being their best. Mm. And then there's war, which is dominate, conquer, win at all costs. Modern team competition looks more like war. Yeah. That does actual the ideal of competition. But what what is interesting though, I need to go back on that a little bit, because because the animosity actually does not come from the players who are playing the game. It comes from the fans. It comes from the fans. Because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times after a game I'll go on Twitter and I'll see these players who just spent three hours kicking the shit out of each other, going back and forth like, "Hey man, can't wait to see you next year. Yeah, but Good luck at the next level." Well, I mean, unfortunately, that game. trickles down. They swap jerseys after a game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at Drew Brees and uh, God, what's his name? <sighs> I'm brain farting on the guy's name. Um, was the Patriots quarterback for like 10 years. Oh, Tom Brady? Yeah, like they're best friends. They have nothing but respect for each other, yeah. and they try to beat the crap out of yeah, each other week in and week they're out. They're professional rivals, but, they're, but their families are like super tight. But if you put in the Wallens fans and, and New England fans in the same room, somebody's going to get in a fight somewhere. Yeah, and, I, and, and that animosity trickles down to the athletes at a younger level, unfortunately. It yeah. does. So you get the high schools who, who are angry at each other. Mm. And you get the high school players who are angry at each other. And it tries to breed that warlikeness. Meanwhile, you have the pros who are actually competing against yeah. each other, not just trying to dominate each other. See, what we were talking about. We're more in common with the people across the field from them than they do anybody in their daily lives. Yep, very true. Our, um, our approach to growing up was uh, kind of compartmentalized. So during the play you're trying to kill that person. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to win, he wants to win. It is war. But when it's all said and done, the animosity shouldn't be there. Like, you're just people now. He yeah. goes mm-hmm. to his school, you go to your school, you're just people. But it seemed like a lot of times that 
compartmentalization isn't there for a lot of people. Yeah, because we're we're taught at a young age that winning is the best. Winning is everything. Because mm-hmm. because I because growing up, you know, I'm an LSU guy, so Alabama can go to hell, Florida, all that can go to hell, blah 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 blah. Where I actually worked for the football team, and I actually met a lot of staff members on all these teams, and you know what? They're all really freaking nice. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the animosity I used to have, I just let go. It's like, man, they're just out there just trying to do their thing. Man, I hope we beat them, but nothing wrong with them. They're just trying to do their thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, people think that all the SEC head coaches don't have a group chat. Oh, dude, they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they, I mean, you, you see them interact with each other like at, at media conferences, like these guys who are trying to beat each other. Like they just, they just talk. Like they're just people. They're all guys in this profession. It's the way it is. Yeah. Well, you, you know, earlier when we were mentioning you're on a journey and everybody else's journey parallels you, so they can mm-hmm. support you. That's that, but we don't see that yeah. as the fans and the supporters. We don't see that, unfortunately. We, we, we are, we are. Um, we buy into the investment of the war. Right. And we are media blasted with the investment of the war. Right. This is kind of a bummer. My favorite sports moments on TV are the ones where everybody's supporting each other. Yep. And and I don't know why that's not popularized more. That's is, is that winning at all cost philosophy. It's bread and circuses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which sometimes I get, like sometimes there's a time where you got to be an animal, but that's just. It doesn't mean you have to dominate somebody else. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, destroy and conquer them. I think, I think in life there are only very few times where you have to go to that place. Right. And, but, and, and normal. But playing a game yeah. is not yeah. one of those. You don't need to go there. Or better yet, being fanatic about a team that plays for a school that you couldn't even get into. Yeah. Right. The team doesn't know you. They're transitory players. They're not going to be there very long. Mm. They don't really care about you in any way, shape or form. Um, I lived, you know, near Oakland for so many years and Oakland was famous for having the craziest fans in the NFL. Mm. Um, and it always baffled me. I didn't understand it because you're, you're, you are completely invested in something that doesn't care for you at all. Doesn't have any relationship with you back. I think that goes back to compartmentalization. Like, I love, man, y'all already know, I love football. I do love football. I watch LSU and the Saints and all the other teams. So during that game, I'm all into it. But when it's over, it's over. But there are some people I know that if their team doesn't do well, they get in a fight with their wife or they go to work and they're argumentative with other people yeah. and they're just well, miserable for a week. It's like, why? And in, in like, why? California or Northern California, if you're a fan of the Raiders, for instance, you drive around with the Raiders flags all over your car and your stickers. And I mean, you, you have to let the world know I'm a Raiders fan. They do that here too. Yeah, they That's do that. Just, here. It's just so baffling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. Cause I grew up in it, but at the same time, it's like when I, you know, just, just through being in different places and meeting other people. It's like, I get the fandom, but you have to be able to compartmentalize it. Like that can't be your entire identity. And I have a (laughs) feeling a lot of that comes from the fact that we probably weren't meant to live in groups this large. I'm sorry. Say it again. We probably weren't meant to live in groups this large. So people try to find a slightly smaller tribe to identify with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's true thing. We're always looking for a tribe to invest in. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we're a huge country, 300 million people. Yeah, we're too big. And there's one guy that's supposed to be in charge. Yep. It should be, it should be me, by the way. I'm just, yeah. I'm just you know what? I'd vote for you. <laughs> I would. You've seen that, uh, I mean, vote for uh, this picture of the dog. It's like, vote for Frankie likes cheese. 
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I'd vote for either one of these two on the floor passed out right now. Oh, yeah. Vote for Chip. You get strong as shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll make I'll make my dog my uh, my vice president. It's a good plan. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Have we said everything we need to say? I think so, and we're about to hit the hour and a half mark. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, time's fun when you're having flies. So you got anything else you want to add? No, man. Just let me know when you're back in town, Chip. Love to talk to you some more. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, definitely. I'm supposed to compete in Finland at the Moss Worlds really? next month. But if I don't, I'll come back through here instead. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let us know. We'll get together. I don't know if you're a beer drinker or any kind of drinker. Just water, usually. I, I'll, bring you, I'll bring you some fine Fiji water and we'll, we'll hash <laughs> it out. Yeah, what's it called? Liquid death? Yeah. Liquid death. Had that? No. I know you're not a real big fan of hyperbolous marketing. Yeah. But uh, their entire marketing campaign is that water is dangerous and will kill you if well, you let it. Sure will. So That's their, awesome. their cans have like flaming skulls on them. And it's, <laughs> and it's just water? Yep. It's, it's called liquid death. It's kind of cool. It, uh, but they're Perfect. like $2 a can. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yes. wow. It's like they're uh, letting you know it's ridiculous yes. and people will still buy it. Well, their social media campaign is genius. Mm. Like they're incredible with social media. And I'll say this, their products are far more sustainable. Oh, good. Because okay. they're all aluminum cans. Sure. Okay. So it's a lot easier to recycle. I think I think their cans are all made from recycled material. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm made from recycled material. I mean, we're all made from recycled material. Yep. <laughs> right, let's say they say we're all just the universe that became aware of itself and started looking at it. Like, I, I'm probably quoting that I'm, wrong. I'm going to start singing Dust in the Wind. In Please don't. Because I'll start thinking the episode of Highlander where Tessa died. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. I was thinking uh if you've seen um um Midnight Mass on Netflix yet. I have not. All right. I've we'll have to talk about that. that next time I'm in town. Oh, well, I'll have to watch it so that I <laughs> yeah, me too. about. Um so yeah, we'll just talk about the sponsors just one more time. Uh Unmasked Studio. Go to Unmasked Studio, Facebook, Instagram. I don't think he has a website, so check him out on theirs first. Like him, share his stuff, uh buy oh, his stuff. I, oh, I before. will. Yeah, I want you what what's your what's your social media? Uh, what are you on Instagram? Instagram Body Tribe Chip and look up Body Tribe on YouTube. Uh, well, what I was gonna say, go and tag Body Tribe Chip in all of your favorite uh, cosplays. Oh, there we go. Yeah, maybe he'll uh, give me a co- costume. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Who's your favorite superhero? Do you have one? I can't say. I, I'm a big Deadpool fan. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, everyone is. Yeah. Deadpool's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, go and tag him in your favorite cosplay. Hopefully, he'll see him. Hopefully, he'll like him. And uh, who knows, maybe he'll get hooked up with a costume one day. <laughs> uh, also, StrikeForceEnergy.com. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout. You're going to save 20% on all of your energy needs. We get a small kickback from that. Help support the podcast. Uh, other than that, yeah, we just revamped the website. So go to ATLASSTRENGTHSHOP.com. Take a look around. See if you like it. If you don't, let me know. And uh, yeah, I'll take constructive criticism, maybe. Mm-hmm. Also, go to our Instagram at... Atlas Nerds and Podcast. Go to Atlas Strength Shop. Follow us there. And if you're in the Baton Rouge area, check us out on Strongman Saturdays. We start every morning at 10 a.m. Can't wait to meet you. Don't forget anything. Mm, we do have. We, well, we haven't grown it yet. Presence on TikTok, but we'll get there. Oh yeah, I actually recorded like 15 seconds of TikTok while y'all were talking about. Uh, that was when I was awkwardly <laughs> filming y'all earlier. Oh, that's yeah, what you were doing. Yeah, it's probably still sitting on my phone whenever I open it. I don't think it deleted it. Um, but I'll be posting that. So yeah, go follow us on TikTok at Atlas Strength Shop. We're also Atlas Strength One on Twitter. I'm trying to be more involved there. 
Uh, Five-star rating on iTunes, all that cool stuff that every other podcast says. And other than that, we'll see you all in two weeks. All right. Yes.